Welcome to the Celebration Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to meaningfully transforming your thinking through exploration, knowledge, creativity and connection. In each episode, our invited guests will share their authentic experiences and established expertise to inspire you to take positive action. The theme for this episode is Fearless Stories, in partnership with the Institute of Human Development and the Be Fearless Movement. The Fearless Stories format is where our guests share an incredible story of triumph over adversity or challenging circumstances. Hello and welcome to the Celebration Podcast. Today I am joined by Laura Dempsey, who is the founder of Volunteers for the Future, which makes conservation education accessible for young people. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Um, So to get things started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm Laura, as you've kind of introduced, and I'm the founder of Volunteers for Future. And what we're really trying to do is make sure that all young people have access to conservation education um, throughout the UK. And I started Volunteers for Future late last year, and it was a, a combination of the aspects I feel really passionate about in terms of climate change, uh, wildlife conservation, animal welfare, coupled with the experience I've had of working in the youth sector. And as the title of the company might suggest, my experience of managing large scale volunteer programmes. So it was really bringing together everything that I cared about and everything that I had experience in to try and reach as many young people as possible. It's definitely a succinct title for an organisation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when you were setting up uh, Volunteers for the Future, what was the challenge and problem that you wanted to solve? So it was a combination of, um, I guess it dates back to when I was at school. So when I was really little, um, I was really interested in wildlife conservation, animal rights from a very early age. So much so that I had a little school club um, that I ran, which was um, not entirely successful. It was lobbying the residents of Ealing to save the elephants in Africa. And it was something that, you know, I spent lots of time on. But then when I went to school, I guess later in primary school and on to secondary school um, I I stopped engaging in this topic um, from an educational perspective and over the years it was something that really stayed with me and it was always something that I felt very passionate and very concerned about but not something I was doing anything necessarily towards so part of the reasons was to make sure that I was actually having an impact the timing of it lined nicely when the public's consciousness was really increasing around learning about climate change and biodiversity loss and animal welfare, coupled with the huge uprising of young people all across the globe, striking from school, um, to make sure that, you know, the adults were actually listening to what the effects of how we've lived our lives so far were going to have on their futures. So it was a combination of all of these things I've cared about all my life, but felt I wasn't doing enough for, coupled with seeing how much this meant to young people and then feeling, you know, deep inside that I could actually play a role. And, and that's how the idea developed. Come a long way since elephants have eaten. Yeah, it has. <laughs> So where's it at the moment? What's the kind of status of the project and how do you feel it's engaging its audiences at the moment? So the status is, so we launched in January, which is a very interesting time as all new business owners this year will will appreciate. Um, And we started off by working with the wonderful um, WWF, so they're a huge global conservation charity. 
and we ran some pilot workshops with them. So we delivered a number of workshops at their Living Planet Centre and we also ran some workshops um, in um, a range of schools in London. And we managed to reach about a thousand young people, which was fabulous. We really focused a lot on our planet, learning all about um, the different habitats, the biomes, um, learning about the impacts that humans are having. And really importantly, and really crucially for the young people, learning about the difference that we can all make. So not feeling overwhelmed, but actually recognising you can play a really positive part. And so um, that was a fantastic first partner to work with. Lockdown started halfway through. So all the schools closed. So halfway through delivering our in-school workshops, we moved online, which was a brilliant experience. I can talk a bit more about that later. Um, we're now working with a new partner called the Born Free Foundation, who again are just the most wonderful international um, animal welfare and conservation charity. And we're starting to prepare to deliver our next programme with them. And so we'll be going out into schools or going online and delivering workshops to schools from January onwards. That's an amazing start and it sounds like it's having an impact. I want to understand a little bit more about that impact. What do you want? What do you want the program to achieve? The organisation to achieve, and and why is this an important issue for you? Okay, so I think if I start with the second part first, it, thinking back to me when I was eight or nine and really interested in these topics, if this had been included within our core education at school for all young people. It's just thinking about the generation that grew up since then, the different type of planet we might be living on now. And so it's recognising that this is such a fundamental part of people's education, not just because it's the right thing to help young people learn about and understand more about, but because it has such a massive impact on future generations. So that's probably one of the driving forces. Um, the second part is we just want to make this as accessible as possible. So there are the most amazing schools and initiatives and programmes out there. And so we're not reinventing the wheel because there's already some really solid conservation education programs and amazing organisations. But what we're trying to do is bridge the gap and make sure it's accessible to everyone. So if you live in, um, you know, in a, in a poorer community, um, in a tougher school, limited access to external organisations, how can we make sure that you still have access to really, um, you know, incredible conservation education? So it's kind of levelling the playing field, really. Brilliant. And how do the volunteers work with the schools uh, to be able to achieve this conservation education? So it's a um, it's kind of a combination of parts. So we first of all, we work with the charity and we pick um, the workshops that we want to deliver and we redesign them slightly so they are appropriate for volunteers to um, deliver the sessions. And then we will broker relationships with the schools, find those that are willing and up for taking part. And then we will provide training to the volunteers. Um, and then they'll go into the schools or deliver the sessions online. And we offer a range of sessions. We either deliver a really light touch, 30 minute, really fun assembly, or we deliver a series of workshops where the young people are actually having an opportunity to take part and have um, get involved in debates. Um, create beautiful resources and crafts, learn how to be a young campaigner, um, learn about the differences that they could make in their schools or back, at, back in their homes. So it's a combination of um, presentations, really high, high activity, fun um, sessions, 
and then um, arrange your kind of things that they can do once we've left. So what was quite important to me is that we weren't just parachuting into a school, delivering a session and then disappearing off again. We we're actually leaving the teachers with some really great resources that they can continue to use and roll out through the rest of the term. And we were helping young people feel like they're not just aware of these issues, they actually feel motivated and inspired to take personal action. Sounds very exciting and such a, a useful part for teachers to be able to have as well as the learning that students get from it as well. Did you have any worries or anxieties about setting up this organisation and the work that it's doing? I guess I, I'm not a teacher, um, so that was probably one of the first anxieties is thinking, do I really understand the, the UK education system? Um, is this something that's going to be welcomed by teachers? Is this just going to be another thing to add to their incredibly busy um, schedules? That was one of the worries. The other worry was um, making sure that we were getting the messaging right, because these are scary topics. And what we don't want to do is, you know, contribute to the ever increasing rise of climate anxiety that, that children feel way more than we ever would have been aware of when we were young. And then the third anxiety is just starting up a business. You know, it's scary. It's a bit lonely. It's a bit daunting. So it's just, you know, the day to day, um, can I actually do this and do this well? But most founders and, and startups will feel on an hourly basis and then just get over it. And I guess how we overcame those was um, just investing the time in talking to teachers. So I'm lucky to have teachers that are friends or, or, or their former teachers. I have, um, you know, I have a really nice network in the education sector. Um, most of my friends are parents, so I spent time talking to them and kind of understanding. Um, I went out to nearly all of the student climate strikes and I spoke to the parents and the teachers. And really importantly, I spoke to the children that were striking from school to find out what was currently being delivered in their schools. What did they really care about? What were their motivations? I guess from my own um, perspective, I I've sort of learned, which you might ask me about a bit later, but I've sort of learned that most things I'll probably feel nervous about doing for the first time. But once you've got over that and done it, you feel great about it. So it's more a case of just accepting you feel a bit worried and nervous and just going with it. Because so far, touch wood, I've only had positive results. Great. And I think there's an interesting aspect of what you're talking about was some of the barriers that you've already had to overcome there, particularly around things like starting up a, starting up a social enterprise during COVID, being able to kind of engage with teachers in a, in a manner that doesn't increase the climate anxiety yeah. there is with students and also makes those resources something that supplements the educational experience rather than something that feel, the teachers feel potentially threatened by or, or, or concerned about. Has there been any other barriers that you've encountered along the way? that have stopped you from getting what you wanted? I've thought, I thought about this and there just hasn't been. I've been I've either been really lucky or I've um, had some great support to be able to make the right decisions. But so far, everything that we've wanted to achieve, we have in spite of the pandemic. Um, so, no, I guess I, I always want to spend more time on this than I can. Um, I also do some consultancy work um, and, and volunteer a ton of my time as well. So I guess it's it, time is a barrier sometimes. And, and one of the things I realised um, is I, I love working in teams of people. I love being around others. I love collaborating. And when I first started out, you know, I had a really lovely business partner that we started out with, but it wasn't quite the right time of her life to start a business. So I decided to go it alone. 
And one of the barriers was, wow, I'm by myself. I have to make all the decisions. I don't really know what I'm doing for some of this. And I quickly realized, hang on a minute, I've got a really amazing network of, um, of friends. I've got an amazing range of personal and professional contacts. So I started reaching out and asking for help. So I didn't feel as lonely and by myself and having to make all the decisions because I could reach out and get support from others. So I guess time and sometimes that feeling of isolation and being by yourself is a barrier. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the highlights, like real personal experiences that stick in your head over the duration of setting up this fantastic project? The highlights, there's been so many, you know, they're not... We're still a really small company. We're delivering small numbers, but it's just one of the highlights I have on a regular basis is when I'm talking to new volunteers or new teachers or, or new partners, and everyone is so excited and wants to know more and wants to get involved. And every conversation I seem to have with someone, they, they offer their help and support and want to get involved. And that just gives me such a buzz and, and, and energy about what we're doing because I feel reassured where we're doing the right thing. Um, the other highlights are seeing the workshops in action. There is nothing more wonderful than an eight-year-old telling you how we can all save the planet to just, you know, really ground you and make you think, yes, young people totally get it. Um, you know, they're really passionate, powerful ambassadors for this change. Um, so I think that's the other highlight is actually engaging with the young people and hearing their thoughts and their ideas. And they have the most brilliant range of questions um, so that that that's also really exciting, um, and I guess the third highlight is starting a business and and seeing it succeed. Um, you know that that's that's wonderful to know that you're you're you've done this. You know you're you're successfully managing a business by yourself. Which a couple of years ago, if someone said I was going to start a business up, I I just wouldn't have recognised that person. It wouldn't have made any sense to me that I could be here now. And it has. Uh, it's done some incredible stuff in such a short space of time. But 2020, I'm sure, has given a lot of dark moments as well. Is there any low moments that you've had throughout this journey which have been quite difficult or maybe the realisation of what's going on in the environment that you're working in? Yeah, I think I, I sit I sit in two places with this current um, situation. One is this has brought about a change in some instances, which was really needed. And it's really powerful to see how people can respond and unite and, and make changes that have a positive impact. But it's also brought um, personal challenges. Um, you know, for my family, we had, you know, some really tough moments this year. And I recognise that trying to run a business to keep yourself motivated while going through some really personal family problems or family challenges it is hard going so I recognise I need to take a pause and take some time out and the other challenge I started to find is you if you're involved professionally in the causes that you care about the most you feel it to such a deep level and making sure that I had the most resilience to keep learning and keep finding out new challenging information about animal welfare and conservation and climate change so keeping up to date with the news whilst not always feeling I was at my most resilient was quite tough and and for a while I, I did just have to check out 
and I had to come back in again when I was ready and I felt strong enough. And one of the ways I did that was to actually start to seek out the positive news stories. So seek out all the amazing news stories about the incredible technology, the amazing science, the amazing acts of individuals that are starting to have a positive change. So I think I realized to get myself out of this, I had to seek out the positive news about these things I cared about. I couldn't just listen to the, the negative news. And then also recognizing that um, it was it was a tough time for us personally and just to, you know, take some time, chill, do some different stuff for a while. That sounds like the voice of experience in there as somebody who uh, knows what to do when they face a challenge with like, you know what? I need to be able to go and search out these things. This is the way that I cope with difficult circumstances, which I'm sure will be relatable for a lot of people. And a lot of the time does build that resilience and it does help us be able to get through to the other side. Hi, I'm Jamie from Cerebration. Our social enterprise supports organisations and business leaders who want to unleash the full potential of their employees but are facing some challenges. Typically, these are things like they struggle to retain high-performing individuals and maintain proficient teams. They are frustrated that they can't leverage the individual attributes and talent in their organisation. They are unsure how to utilise the authentic lived experiences of their diverse workforce to gain a competitive advantage. I don't suppose any of these sound familiar. If they do, or your organisation is facing other challenges, it would be great to learn how our enterprise can support an organisation like yours. To discuss your organization's learning and training requirements, you can book a no-obligation discovery meeting at www.cerebration.space forward slash meeting. Has there been any negative stories from your past experience that might have been playing on your mind that was having an impact from you achieving what you wanted to achieve? There's, there's not negative stories because, you know, I've had a lot of coaching. I'm part of an amazing coaching group. So I'm, I've, I've become quite good at reflecting back and, and learning what you can gain from each situation, which is sounds a bit of a cheesy enough thing to say. But it's really helped me. I've looked back in my career and all the bumpy, tricky moments are invariably the ones that I've learned the most from that have led to the biggest step up or on to something bigger and better. Um, have, have really helped to bring me closer to, you know, colleagues that I now, you know, are probably friends for life. So I don't think there's been negative experiences that, that stick with me with the negative side. They stick with me for the positive side. But what I do have is patterns of how I behave, how I absorb information, how I think. And they're your go-to patterns when things get a bit tough. So it's very easy to sit and catastrophize. It's very easy to worry. It's very easy to choose to take the easy route and not speak your mind and not approach something which feels difficult. And you have to just be aware those habits are there and you have to acknowledge they're there and then, you know, employ the techniques that you've developed to get over them. So it, it is habits rather than experiences, I think, that I carry with me that I have to keep an eye on. And I'm sure that would be useful for a lot of people that are listening to this. Um, is there any positive stories or past successes that you've drawn on to help drive you forward? So I think when I look back to times where I've had a lot of energy, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a successful project. The themes are always the same. I'm doing something that I really care about, that I'm really interested in. 
um, that I really enjoy being involved with. It doesn't matter if it's difficult or not. I'm so invested in that 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 thing that we're doing um, that that keeps me going through. That having a really great group of people around you makes all the difference. And that's about developing and building and looking after all those important relationships in your life, from your friends, to your family, to your colleagues. And, and having that really great team around you, um, it really helps to get you through. Um, and then I think, I think they're probably the main two things. So, and, and I can sort of track back in my career and, and, and those elements are always, always there throughout. Who is the kind of person you needed to be in order to take action and get That's what you want? Good question. Um, it's a really great question, actually, Jamie, because you do sometimes feel like you have to act a bit when you're when you're a founder or director or startup um, or whatever other titles you end up calling yourself. So suddenly you're an entrepreneur, which feels from an imposter syndrome perspective, you're like, but I've just started one business and now I'm an entrepreneur. Um, it's really weird. And then also, I guess just to mention, um, you know, I laugh about this a lot with a friend. There's a lot of female terms. So, you know, you're a mumpreneur or you're a boss babe. And it's just, you know, they're really cheesy terms. And hopefully you won't get lots of abuse for me saying this on the podcast. But, you know, I'm quite happy to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to be a female version of an entrepreneur. It's all equal. But moving on from my soapbox. Um, so the kind of person that I needed to be is, you, you know, when I started out and I was thinking, how can I do this? How can I do this? And I just started chatting to other people that had started up their business. And I started to really pay attention and, and look into their, how they conducted themselves, how they described what they did, what they learned from. And I listened to loads of podcasts. And, and I think some of those things I've tried to draw out and, and kind of um, emulate in myself. So you have to be bold you have to be quite brave and make decisions that don't always sit comfortably but within that you have to be quite vulnerable as well so I think if you're just really brash and you know you're seen to be really brave and outspoken and direct actually it really helps to show a bit of vulnerability as well because you'll tend to get on with people a lot more if you show that honest vulnerable side um, I think you have to be super tenacious like you just have to keep going and keep going like how you turn a no into a yes or, or into a maybe or into a something else and um, you have to keep looking for all the routes through things you can't stop at the first block because otherwise the business will never work but within that you have to learn to let go of it and I'm not great at self-regulating of letting go so that's where I would rely on having an amazing coach or my amazing network of friends or my husband to just talk things through and just get a bit of perspective and then I think the third point, which I've mentioned a bit, so we've been talking, is you have to really, really care about what you're doing. So um, you have to make sure that the thing you choose to pick to focus on is something that you care about so much, because that will really get you through the tough and uncertain times, because you know there's this really important matter that you want to have a huge impact in. And so whatever life chucks at you, you always know that's still important to you and that keeps you going. That's a great answer. This was really, for me, when you've been talking, what I've been hearing is that there is a lot here around the journey of creating a career in life around the issues that you care about most. What's been the outcome of that and how has it felt to be engaged in that kind it's of way? It's about, um, 
it's felt really liberating when I when I um, finished my last role uh, you know I, I had a really amazing job and I really enjoyed it but I, I knew I wanted to focus on conservation but I just didn't know how and I just started out by thinking right well let me talk to people let me go to events let me read more let me listen to more and, and, and work out where my space is in this and it just felt really exciting and liberating. And, and I have to say throughout this journey, which is probably coming up to nearly two years now, it's been so much fun. Um, like I, I look at my week and every day I'm doing things I enjoy with people that I really respect and care about. And I, I'm learning every day and it's really interesting. So I, I think, you know, yes, I'm nervous and yes, it's hard and yes, it's lonely sometimes, but the, the payoff is it's just so exhilarating and exciting to be so immersed in the things you care about most with like-minded people and knowing that what you're doing is, is doing good in the world is, is a really nice feeling when perhaps your financial situation might be a bit uncertain and you can think, well, I've done some great stuff. So it's a bit bumpy, but I feel good about what I'm doing. What have been the main lessons that you've learned along the way when creating this journey of the career and life around the issues you the issues that you um, the main lessons are keep shifting so don't stay in one place for too long so keep trying different things whether that's where you work from which is tricky at the moment or who you're working with what you're focusing on keep keep shifting because that keeps your energy level up that keeps you from being becoming too insular and too set in your ways because you don't you don't have a team of people around you you don't have a big organization you're part of anymore so you have to sort of cultivate that ecosystem around you to keep shifting keep doing different things keep forcing change in your life i think to always ask for help um when you need it uh, you know invariably people want to help you they, they want to look out for you they want to be part of what you're doing so it's so a reach out but that's a two-way process. So when people ask you to read things or help them or for a quick call to chat through your staff or to support their initiative or just to like what they're doing on Facebook, you know, it's these little small things, like really make sure that you're, you're giving out as much as you need back and looking after those relationships. Um, and then the third thing I've, I've learned, which I'm still practicing, is trying to create some boundaries in your life because when you're doing the thing that you care about that interests you the most your work day very quickly seeps into evenings and weekends and early mornings and, and you have to try and make sure that you're really looking after yourself and mentally and emotionally and physically because you're the kind of the front of the business so you have to be in good working order so it's something I'm still practicing and grappling with but really looking after yourself um, and, and creating that separation from the, the work life and the personal life is really important. Definitely emphasize with that I think particularly at the beginning of the pandemic which is uh, when I set celebration as well I've got the double whammy of I cope by things by getting stuck in with something in, that I find enjoyable and I was setting up a business at the same time. So I was going, waking up in the morning and not exactly, going to exactly. work until about 11 o'clock at night. This is my coping mechanism and the thing that I'm excited about and it's new. So it's definitely a good lesson to be able to create those boundaries. And I think taking a little bit of time, what I call balcony time, being able to go out to the, go out to the balcony, sit down, listen to a book for an hour, even if you only set yourself an hour 
at least then you'll get some frame of mind it is it's so um, hard and really you know useful. it's so addictive to just keep you know I'll, I'll get out of bed and then my office is there so it's so tempting to just get out of bed sit at the desk and, and crack on with the day and you really have to watch that because yeah it is it's very very addictive and enjoyable but you, you can get burnt out quite quickly it's so funny I've been describing it as a situation where you remember the old drug commercials yeah like this is your brain on such and such yeah. and it's like this is your brain on being an entrepreneur but on that topic what would be the advice that you would give other people in terms of starting a business right. um as- in terms of getting involved in conservation and climate change is a big 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 topics i would say start to narrow the focus initially um in a way that aligns with your life so you know, for me, I started to think about what I ate and I started to think about how I was spending my time and I started to think about what am I buying. And, and that helped me to start to get into it a bit more from a personal perspective because, you know, this is a very scientific, technical range of topics and it's quite intimidating. And, and you don't need to be a scientist to learn that you can all make some positive changes in your life that will make a huge difference. So I think start to think about what are the things you can change in your life that you're interested in as a way to get into conservation. I think I think talk to people, talk to your friends, um, talk to your friends of friends, <laughs> approach people on LinkedIn that look interesting, get out to events where you can at the moment, you know, so do online events, find some really great podcasts. It's basically just about stimulating and energising your brain a bit to start to think about what's possible. If I'd have just thought I want to get into conservation and didn't talk to anyone, I, I wouldn't have got very far. But because I talked to other people, I felt inspired by them. I learned more. Um, I got a greater understanding about how you, you start to build this type of career. So, yeah, so probably reaching out and talking to people. You, you don't need to have a set agenda. Most people love talking about themselves and love talking about their experiences. So usually quite flattered to be asked to have a chat. Then I think, you know, break down what you want to do in steps. Don't try and, um, what's the expression, bite off the whole elephant. <laughs> like, Just try and take little, little steps as you go that you can have um, little moments of accomplishments from. Don't try and say, I want to start up an eco-business. Just think, well, I'm interested in starting up an eco-business and I'm interested in these areas, so I'm going to explore them first. So really treasure and, and, and spend time on the explore aspect. Don't always necessarily think about the end outcome. Why is it important that others take action in climate and conservation? So many reasons. Um, I think, you know, we are at heart quite a selfish species. So we, we know we, we, we do things from an altruistic perspective and because we want to do good, but we do tend to react with what's going to impact us in our lives. And, and frankly, this is impacting us in our lives. So for your own personal benefit, it, it's really important that we are starting to make changes in our life that are going to protect and nurture and look after the planet. It's really important from a financial perspective. The future is renewable energy. The future is, you know, a completely different way of living, a different way of how we bank, um, how we run businesses, um, how we educate ourselves. So this is the future. So it is really worth embracing it. And I think as well, it's just, it's really fun and enjoyable to make some changes in your life that you know are for good. You get much longer lasting feelings of good and happiness and wellness from engaging in these types of activities.
so yeah that's that's the other part it, you'll just feel good doing it so yeah so i think you know you'll, you'll stand lots have lots of personal and professional benefits it's just a great thing to do for you and the planet how can people find out more about you and how to get involved you're a school and you're listening or you know a school and you'd like to um, host one of our workshops or if you're really interested by volunteering with us you can just drop us an email at info at volunteersforfuture.org and we also have on most of the social media we're currently redesigning our accounts but you can find us on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook under Volunteers for Future. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really great to have you on here and I hope um, that we can get more workshops for conservation in schools as soon as possible. Thanks for having me. It's really excited to be invited. Thanks for listening to Celebration with Jamie Brett. If you like our show and want to hear more, check out our podcast channel at anchor.fm forward slash celebration. If you are interested in the work Celebration does, visit our website at celebration.space and please leave us a review on wherever you get your podcasts from.